church or you have attended church for any number of years, then you have probably heard the word anointing or anointed. We sing songs about it. We teach about it. But how many of us do we fully understand it and what it means to us? Today I'm concluding this Power Shift series that we've been doing for the last several weeks. This is our fifth and final Power Shift. You know, we've talked about abundance. We've talked about, uh, I didn't write these down. (laughs) They all start with A's. (laughs) Uh, You know, we've talked about all these different Power Shifts. I'd have to go back and look at each one of them. But today is about anointing, and I believe this is a good uh, exclamation point, if you would, to this series. And I want to conclude this series by looking at anoint, by looking at the anointing and understanding what the anointing is, and what are we to do with it. And please understand this: without the anointing of God, and I, I believe this is so important for us to hear. Life and ministry are shallow and lacking in fruit. We need the anointing. We have to have it. So what is it? I believe that anointing was and remains, or excuse me, anointing was and it still remains a common practice in many Middle Eastern regions. In the Bible, Rubbing oil on the hair and body was part of getting dressed. Ruth chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't uh, let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. The use of oil or ointment was an expression of joy and celebration. Psalm 23, 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. The use of oil also indicated grief or sadness. Daniel chapter 10, verse 3, it says, I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. We see anointing used and referenced to all throughout Scripture. But I want to dig just a little bit deeper this morning and hope to give you a clearer view of the anointing of God and the anointing of His people. If you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Isaiah. And I want to read three verses from chapter 61. We sing a song that used this text. Isaiah 61 Beginning at verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Right there, before I go any further, this is a reference to the Trinity. The Spirit, Sovereign Lord, me represents Christ, the Messiah. And it says, Because the Lord has what? Anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, 
and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You see, Jesus would later quote this passage during his earthly ministry. It's found in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. Today I want to answer three questions. The first one is, what is anointing? Webster's Dictionary, you got to love it, right? It uses this definition for anoint. It says, to smear or rub with oil or an oily substance. To apply oil to as a sacred rite, especially for consecration. To choose by or as if by divine election also, to designate as if by a ritual anointment. That was a mouthful, wasn't it? (laughs) Got to love the definitions in our dictionaries. But when we talk about anointing, we can break it down into different types of anointing if we wanted to. Just to name a few, people are anointed for service, they anointed for healing, so on. Simply put, here is the what is anointing. Simply put, the act of anointing is pouring or applying all to another person. But the anointing that we refer to is a calling that God has placed on a person's life through the Holy Spirit. You have been anointed to go and do the Lord's will. It refers to a calling by God. As you can see, there are different things that when, when we think of the anointing, and even through Scripture, we there are references of of where they poured oil, and we'll talk about who they anointed uh, for service. And then, then also we see what, uh, what Isaiah said, and then Jesus repeated in his earthly ministry when he said they had been anointed, that meaning that they were anointed to serve. Jesus' Hebrew name, Messiah, means anointed one. So now I want us to look at the second question, and that is who is anointed? Sometimes anointing had a special spiritual connotation. It represented something or someone uh, being set apart, consecrated, or empowered for God's service. God required anointing for three specific offices, kings, priests, and prophets. So let's look at these, kings. Historically, the Israelites lived without a king. After Moses, they were led by Joshua and then by a series of judges whom God raised up and empowered to deliver them in times of trouble. The era of judges and the prophets ended when the people, influenced by their environment and wanting to be like their neighbors, requested a king. After debating With the people and interceding before God, Samuel finally agreed. God told him to anoint Saul. Anointed kings represented dominion and authority and were positioned by God to carry out specific tasks. They led in war and in executing judgment and justice. Those were the kings, the priests. 
the need for a priesthood is that sin separates us from God. And you and I need a mediator or a priest before their captivity in Egypt, fathers served as priests for their families. In their wilderness experience, God would raise up Aaron's family and consecrated its members to serve as priests. Aaron's anointing represents a change from the father being the family's priest to the family of Aaron becoming the nation's priest. To go to God on behalf of a sinful people, each participating priest had to go through the ceremony of anointing, and you can find that in Exodus chapter 29. Prophets. A priest goes to God on behalf of the people, but a prophet comes to the people on behalf of God. A prophet is one who is divinely inspired to communicate God's will to his people and thus disclosing the future. A prophet admonished and reproved uh, sin. He brought warnings of terrible judgment, but he also brought messages of consolation and pardon. If you read the Old Testament, the majority of the Old Testament was written by what we know as either prophets or what they call them, the books, the minor prophets. And these were just messages from prophets speaking to the people of Israel. In First and Second Kings, supernatural events surrounded the ministries of Elijah and Elisha. If you want to know how to keep those two guys straight, uh, alphabet. J comes before S. Elijah comes before Elisha. There you go. That's a little... So I, I know some people are like... Man, which one was first? Elijah's first. Think of J before S. There you go. Uh, The power of God was activated in the life of these prophets through consecration, which was symbolized by anointing. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 16 says, Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. So, Those were three things, or three groups of of people that were anointed in uh, the Old Testament. Uh, Now, New Testament comes along, and we have the anointed Christ, the Messiah. The Septuagint, a Greek translation of the Old Testament, uses the word uh, trio, C-H-R-I-O. It's the root word for the name Christ which literally means the anointed one. It's easy to understand that a physical anointing with oil represented God pouring out the Holy Spirit on someone to empower them to accomplish the task to which they were called. Now, as I said before in Luke chapter 4, Jesus went into the synagogue, he picked up Isaiah's scroll, and he read from Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, Because he has anointed me and sent me, he then continued, today the scripture is fulfilling in your hearing. This was a proclamation of Jesus' position as the long-awaited Messiah. Jesus then began his anointed ministry of miracles and preaching the kingdom of God, and this proved that the Father had sent him. The bottom line here is that Jesus... As God's anointed one, he would fulfill all three offices that were crucial 
to the life of the nation of Israel. King, priest, and prophet. He was and he is the king of the entire world. There is no one greater, no one equal. He is far above anybody. Psalms chapter 2, verses 7 and 8 says, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. Jesus rules all. He was and is the priest for all mankind, serving as the mediator between God and man. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15 says, For this reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. And finally, Jesus was and is the prophet. He is God's spokesperson. His announcement to the people of Nazareth begins and ends with his call to the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has set or he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Amen. Jesus Christ, and I love this. He was and he is the complete package. Amen? He is King Jesus. He is the priest. And he is the prophet. Who else is anointed? Christians. We are anointed. Those of us who claim to be Christians, you are anointed. A Christian is often defined as one who follows Christ, one who imitates his character and his actions. Paul says many times in his letters, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Jesus' followers were first called Christians in Antioch. Acts chapter 11, verse 26 says, And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. The residents of the city of Antioch were calling these new believers little Christ. A little Christ is actually a little anointed one. Being a Christian, and I want you to hear me when I say this, being a Christian involves much more than just escaping the eternal judgment of hell. Amen? There is more to this Christian life than just being saved from the pits of hell. You know, some people said, well, I just want to make sure I make it to heaven. There's a whole lot more waiting for you than just hoping you make it to heaven. God has so many things that he has anointed us to do, that we have to get up, take the anointing, and go fulfill what God is calling us to do. We can no longer sit back and just be passive anymore and say, well, whatever happens, happens. 
We are saved by faith, completely by God's grace, but also look at how Ephesians describes this. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Can I tell you that actions don't save us, but they do reflect the change in character that occurs as we imitate Christ? The works that we do as individuals and as a church should be the same as the works of Christ. We are empowered to serve as kings under his headship, leading God's people into spiritual warfare and assuming authority over everything that would hinder the advance of God's kingdom. I love what Luke chapter 10, verse 19 and 20 says. I have given you authority. Everybody say authority. Say, I have authority. He's given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You have been given the authority. Let's take the authority and let's go be who God's called us to be. And we are empowered to serve as priests, seeking God's mercy on behalf of a sinful and dying world. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people. I love this. A royal what? Priesthood. A holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now, I don't know if you've ever lived in darkness all your life, but let me tell you something. If you've ever lived in darkness and you come out of darkness and you start walking in light, that gives you something to rejoice about, amen? You start seeing things differently. You start looking at things differently. You realize that God has given you some abilities and some things to do that you never thought you could possibly do. But we need to understand that he has set us free And we are empowered to serve as prophets, giving God's message of love and discipline and expecting his spirit to work through us. Did you hear what I said? Expecting his spirit to work through us to accomplish his revealed will. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive what? Power. Say power. Power. Say it again. Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 2, verse 17 through 21 says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, what? Will be saved. Amen? That's something to be excited about. We have a message that's far greater than any message that we could ever give. You know what that message is? That message is that we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and there's no one greater that we can put our faith and trust in than Jesus Christ. Amen? 
And you and I, we have to walk under that anointing that he has been given us. This is who we are. We have been anointed with the same anointing that Christ was anointed with. We have the same spirit moving through us that moved through Christ. You have been anointed to proclaim the good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom to the captives, release the prisoners from the darkness. You are to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Why? Because the spirit of the Lord is upon you. He is upon you. He has anointed you. So let's quit walking around like we're not the anointed ones. Let's act like we're anointed ones. Let's be who God called us to be. Number three, third question. What are we to do with it? (laughs) That's a loaded question, isn't it? That's a big question. What are we to do with this anointing? I got an easy answer. Use it. (laughs) Take the anointing that God has given you and go and do. We have to move from ignoring spirit powers to emphasizing God's omnipotence over spirit powers. Amen? 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Amen? Do we understand that? We can say that I don't have to be afraid. Why? Because he who is in me is greater than the one that's in the world. Jesus proclaimed in John... He said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. But guess what? He said, I've overcome the world. In other words, there's nothing that this world can throw at us, COVID or any other disease or anything else that comes at us. We can stand firm and believe and know that God is far greater in us than anything else. And we can stand in that. Elijah knew this. Elijah met the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Baal was a weather god, and the Israelites had succumbed to the idea that they had to appease him in order to have a bountiful harvest. Baal's prophets, they built an altar, they prayed for their god to burn up the sacrifice, and after several hours, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. I love what the Living Bible says. It says, maybe he's on the toilet. (laughs) you got to love the hippie Bible, right? (laughs) But Elijah let those false priests exhaust themselves. Then he took his turn. He built an altar, put the sacrifice on it, and soaked the whole altar with water. He prayed... And within seconds, the sacrifice, altar, water, even the dust that surrounded disappeared in fire that fell from God in heaven. Elijah prophetically represents the true God and demonstrated God's power over all powers that stood against his purposes. It is time that we shift from just teaching the gospel to demonstrating the gospel. 
I can teach this word till I'm blue in the face, but at some point we have to get up and we have to do something. Amen? I can tell you all day long that God saves. At some point we have to get up and we have to go share the word and we have to see God saving people. Amen? I can tell you all day that God heals. But at some point, we have to put our faith to work and we have to go and pray for the sick and believe that they're going to be healed in Jesus' name. At some point, we have to decide that what the Word of God says is true and we have to put it in our heart and we have to go tell somebody else about it. Amen? We can't just no longer sit and just hope that something happens. We have to be Christians, little anointed ones. Jesus set free those that were demon-possessed. We need to command the demons to be released from people's lives. The spirit of a sovereign God is upon me because he has what? Anointed me. All of the ministry of Jesus It was empowered by the anointing that his father provided for him. Signs, wonders, even miracles, they flowed from his ministry and he repeatedly demonstrated power encounters. He came supernaturally against Satan and his demons by the power of his father. That same anointing and power is available to us as we are filled with the fullness of of the Holy Spirit. We should strive to have it said of us what was said of Barnabas in Acts chapter 11, verse 24. It was said he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. The Spirit of the sovereign God is on me because he has what? Anointed me. Is that your prayer tonight? Is that your prayer today? God, I want a fresh anointing. I want a fresh touch of your spirit. I want a fresh touch. I don't, I, there's nothing wrong with, with what you received yesterday. But God, I want a fresh touch. Each and every day, I want a new touch. I want a fresh anointing. So that I can go and be and do what God has called me to do. I no longer want to sit on the sidelines and just pray and hope that I get in the game. I'm actually going to get off the sidelines and go get in the game. And it's time that we do that. Sitting on the sidelines is no fun, is it? Anybody want to just sit in the dugout? Anybody just want to sit on the bench on the side? It's no fun, is it? I want to get in the game. I want to play. I want to be a part of something greater than I ever thought that I could be a part of. Why? Because the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord has anointed me to what? To preach good news, to set captives free. Man, I want to see blinded eyes open. I want to see the lame healed. I want to see people just by the power of God doing something great in their life. And the only way that I can do that is to get off the bench i got to get off the sideline. i got to get in the game. i got to go and do what God has called me to do. Why? Because he has anointed me. And if you call yourself a Christian, guess what? He's anointed you too. He didn't say, I anointed you to just sit there and enjoy life for the next 20 years. 
I don't see that in Scripture. Anywhere in Scripture do I see it that he says, well, I'm going to anoint you just to sit and have a good time. You can come to church every once in a while. You can sing your little songs. You can do some great things, and it's going to be wonderful, and it's going to be great, and you'll enjoy it. No, he says, I've anointed you to what? Preach good news. See the captive set free. Turn the darkness into light. He says, I want you to go and be and do what I've called you to be and do. I've called you to be the anointed ones, to go out and to do what Christ did. As Christ walked, as Christ lived, that's who we are to be. We can't just be passive anymore, but we have to take the gospel. We have to take the good news and go and do what God's called us to do. Amen. This morning... If you want a fresh anointing, I want us to find a place. The altars are open. Stand, kneel, whatever you want to do. But I want a, I want a fresh touch this morning. I want a fresh touch of God's anointing. I don't want to no longer just sit back and just hang out. I want to see God do some things that I've never seen him do before. But I have to get in the game. I have to do what God's calling me to be. It doesn't matter how young or how old you are. God still has a plan and a purpose. And it's time that we are a part of that purpose. Why? Because the spirit of a sovereign Lord is upon us. Because he's anointed us to preach good news. To set the captives free. To bring sight to the blind. I could go on and on and on and on of what he's called us to do. We know that just as Christ was anointed, we are anointed to do the same. Come, if you would. Just come, find you a place, and let's pray. God, I need a fresh anointing. God, I need a fresh anointing, Lord. God, I need a fresh anointing. God, I pray that you would touch the hearts and lives of every individual, God, that as we come forward, as we cry out, as we ask for that fresh touch of your anointing, God, we want that fresh anointing. Anointing, just fall on me. Move throughout every individual here, God. I pray for a fresh touch of your anointing, Lord God, for a fresh touch of your anointing. I want more. I want more. I want something new. I want what God has called me to do. I want to be who God has called me to be. I want that fresh touch. I want that fresh anointing, Lord. Pour out your fresh anointing. Hallelujah, Lord God. We praise you right now. We praise you right now. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. We give you praise, God. God, move upon the hearts and lives of individuals. God, move upon the individuals today, God. God, touch their heart, Lord God. Touch their hearts. Touch their lives, Lord God. Lord, I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Lord, touch them, Lord God. I praise you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord.
glad to be back. But the last three months, I'm sorry, I get emotional when I start talking about what the Lord's done. The last three months, this goes right along with what Greg preached this morning. Someone made the comment to me that I had never said what most people would have said in my situation, which is, why me? And my reply was, I know why me. I said, Satan doesn't care who Kathy Hubbard is. Satan just sees God's anointing and the calling on my life to pray for the sick. And that, you know, God did not do that. Satan is the one that caused me to fall. And I, the things I have experienced in the last three months are absolutely incredible. I have ministered to nurses, to fellow patients, to family members um, that God gave me words. And the words, when you tell someone something that you feel that you're supposed to, and they look at you and go, that's exactly what I needed to hear. God sent you here for this time. But one of the most exciting things, I fell downstairs at my house and had severe trauma to my right leg. And some of you may have seen me walk up here on my own power a while ago. The fact that I can do that is a miracle. Um, physical therapists told me that most people with the severity of the injuries that I had that sent me to Tulsa for a trauma surgeon um, would still be sitting in a wheelchair and being waited on. And, but one of the most exciting things that I experienced. They had put down that I had a motor vehicle accident when they admitted me to the hospital. Where they got that, I have no idea. But it caused them to do a CT of the chest, abdomen, and pelvis. When they told me they were doing that, I thought, why? You know, but okay. You know, I'm a nurse. The doctor says do it, you do it. So, but to make a long story short, at three years old, I was supposed to have died of pneumonia so severe that six doctors told my parents they'd done everything they could and to stay with me because I would not make it through the night. And my dad that night promised the Lord that he would serve him the rest of the li his life, which he did, if God let me live. But my health people have asked me why God didn't totally heal me that night. I said, would my dad have become the man of God that he was if God had totally healed me? I kept my dad on his knees for years. But I was diagnosed at five with a incurable, by man's standards, lung disease. And I was treated all my life until actually when I had Anthony, that's when my health improved, which was opposite to what most times happens when someone has a baby. If there's a health condition, it aggravates it. 
mine got better. But I still had problems. But when they did the CT of the chest, you know, God has called me to pray for the sick, which I'd shared that with Greg and some others here. Um, If you're sick yourself, you know, and you are trying to pray for others, how does that look to them? Doctor called me, uh, the primary care doctor, while I was in the hospital in Tulsa. She says, you put down that you have a history of bronchiectasis on your medical records. I said, yeah, I've been, you know, I was diagnosed at five. I've been treated most of my life for it. She said, your CT of the chest, I'm looking at it right now, is normal. No lung disease. And it affected three of the five lobes. So God used what happened to me three months ago to show me that he had given me new lungs. I mean, God is a God of miracles. And when you're using that anointing, he works miracles in your life, not just your fellow Christian or the the person you're praying for. For me to pray for others, he says you need to be whole. And one of the things in the prophecy given over me 17 years ago was that people would be healed as I sang. Well, you know, you need good lungs. And God blessed me so many times in so many ways this last three months. And I just had to share. I may not have been here, but you were in my thoughts and my prayers. And God is getting ready to do some mighty, mighty things in this church. I mean, we are just seeing the tip of the iceberg. And I praise him for everything he's done, everything he's doing. And like I said, as I'm listening to Greg, I thought, I have to share, because this goes right along with what he's preaching today. We're glad you're back. (laughs) God is doing some good stuff. Amen. I don't know about you, but it's been an interesting summer. It seems like we have seen attack after attack after attack on our people this summer can I tell you that just because summer's over doesn't mean the attacks are going to necessarily stop that's why we have to work in the anointing that God has given us we can't just sit around and just say well that happened everything happens for a reason people and God has given us a calling he's given us an anointing to do his work Amen. I want to ask, uh, I've asked Duke if he would come up and uh, let you know we've got a missions that we're going to start, or not start, but we're going to raise some money for in the next couple of months. And I want him just to give you just a little bit about what Speed the Light is. All right. 
Okay, guys. I'm, we've always given money to Speed the Light. Uh, obviously, we've given probably we we focus a little bit more on BGMC here as a church. You see the Buddy Barrel and all the kids and their smiling faces, or sometimes just Brindley and her not smiling face, uh, giving uh, gathering money up for us. And it's a beautiful thing to teach kids and youth all about giving money to God and especially missions because that's how we spread the word. Now, Speed the Light is primarily for youth, teenage age. Uh, the, the concepts are simple. We give so others can speed the light of the gospel to a world of darkness. This is accomplished by providing the essential transportation and creative communication through modern transportation, radio, television, print, audio, and digital equipment. Our missionaries can help make Jesus known. Our youth is going to help out in one of these projects. I've seen missionaries talk about they've been giving Jeeps, sound systems. That's stuff to help them in ways that meets their needs and beyond sometimes. Uh, so we are going to get the help. Uh, we don't have the project just yet, but we're talking to the uh, district youth director about it, DYD, and so he's going to give us what project we're going to be helping on. Our goal is going to be $2,000. Right now, we only have about two fifty on the year, but we haven't been as focused as, as on it as we usually are. So we're going to step it up in October. Get back to me about this, but we're going to have at least one fundraiser. And then also, Greg is helping us out by focusing some of the church on Speed the Light throughout. And so from September 1st to October 31st, the next two months, uh, everything that uh, you get for missions will go to Speed the Light. And so all, everything we're doing from that, that'll be great for us. And then also on your tithes. Feel free to make more money in September and October so you can tithe more because 10% of your tithes, we always give the missions, we'll be giving the Speed the Light. So if you want to work harder than the next two months, I appreciate it. But we all know that everybody works hard enough, right? All right. So it's always good to help spread the word of God and by raising money and also teaching youth to do so as well. Right, Michael? And Michael says yes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think everybody could do for a, a raise, right? Everybody wants a raise. So we'll just pray that you get a raise, that you can get more speed of life. Um, yeah, so what we do is uh, we will still give to our missionaries. We'll still do all of our missions promises. It's just what we'll do is we'll take, uh, we always take 10% and we put it in a missions account is what we do out of our tithe. So the church is tithing and giving to missions just like you tithe uh, from what you receive. The church tithes as well. And so we take that and we'll take what we tithe off of and we put that in to speed the light so that we can help our missionaries spread the gospel around the world. Amen. Amen. Uh, our ushers will be at the back uh, to receive your tithes and offerings as you leave this morning. And so uh, we're going to pray over this offering. And uh, we will start this. If you want to start giving to Speed the Light today, you can do that. Uh, but we will make a special emphasis in September and October. Uh, so um, one final announcement before I pray. Uh, if, you were, if, you had, if you had told me that you're going to the Light for the Lost Banquet, it is this Tuesday. So two days away at 7 o'clock at First Assembly of God in Van Buren. So let's pray. God, we just thank you for allowing us to be here today. 
God, I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for your presence. God, now help us to go and do, to be who you've called us to be. We are the little anointed ones. Help us to go and to fulfill the the ministries that you've called us to do, to do the work that you've called us to, to do, God, that we can be who you want us to be, God. Help us to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. Help us to see the Great Commission completed. The mandate that you made 2,000 years ago, help us to fulfill it. And God, we give you praise and we give you glory. We ask you bless this offering, bless every person that gives. Help us to use that to do the work of the ministry of what you've called us to do. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Y'all have a wonderful week. We'll see you here. Uh, if, you're going to the, if you're going to Light for Lost Banquet, I'll see you Tuesday at 7. If you're not, I'll see you Wednesday at 7. So, wonderful week.